1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Corey, my co-host, there was football at Beaver Stadium today. And while it might not be the same as what we'll see in the fall, there were people wearing shoulder pads, there was tailgating, there was footballs being thrown, (laughs) and there were interceptions. And they weren't all from Sean Clifford. What was the atmosphere like at Beaver Stadium today?
0: It was it was kind of football, Jared. Uh, at the blue what do white you game. mean by kind of football? Because kind like... of football. Uh, well, it's interesting because uh, I think this is like my seventeenth year covering Penn State football. I look, I actually kind of enjoy the blue white game. I've and I'm talking about from a football standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I. It, it has never been more than what it is. It's a practice. It's one out of fifteen practices. But you know, for most of my tenure covering Penn State Football, the blue White game was an actual football game there were there was still a scrimmage. They played for four quarters and, and you know they kept score and the offense had to stop there. You had to try to score, and the defense had it, it was legitimate football just kind of dumbed it down um and I've always, I think you could glean something from it to a degree. What we saw Saturday, and we're filming, we're recording this just a few hours after the blue white scrimmage. It was weird, you know. There was some football, then there was some seven on seven. And by the way, Sean Clifford, you play a seven on seven league. I think you could be pretty damn good. <laughs> so, well, uh, listen, I, I would imagine that's because he's not
1: spending some time on his back. If well, this is right, seven right. on seven league, there's no offensive line, and I mean. When when there's no offensive line, that's not too bad for Sean Clifford.
0: Yeah, I, I, so it's interesting. So there was some football. Then they would do some drills. Then they would play some football. Then they would do some special team stuff. And then they play. Ah, uh, you look. uh I'll be honest with you. I don't know what the hell was going on most of the time. I mean, you, you're watching every five or ten minutes, and it changes. And you're trying, you're trying to. My, my job as an analyst, Jared, I've always felt like was to try to relay what I see and give fans maybe some information that they can use to help them feel good, bad, indifferent, whatever, whatever the sport. Um, I don't know that we really saw anything a whole lot from the, from the blue-white scrimmage Saturday, Jared, that was uh, – you always say you take this stuff with a grain of salt. Uh you take this thing with a truckload of salt, uh, and and you just kinda you kind of shrug your shoulders and say, Well, you know, like you said, what'd you say? They put some shoulder pads on. There, there were football dudes doing some football things on the field.
1: Okay, there's nothing wrong with that, Corey. Now, I'm I saw a couple bits and pieces of the game here and there on the Big Ten Network. I'm in baseball mode, so I was at uh PNG field for some Alcenter curve action, but What I saw out of Kevon Lee was pretty good. Kevon Lee, running back, looked pretty solid. It looked like they were attempting to establish the run game. Now, let's be real. That's not the first string defense that he's going up against. So, I mean, that's – you take the good and the bad, but Kevon Lee looked pretty good, and that running back room has some experience, and they've added Nick Singleton and Catron Allen, which are two huge impact players.
0: Should we get to that point in the season? Well, this is a good discussion. I'll give you credit because you backed Keevon Lee during the season last year. I backed Noah Kane. Noah Kane really never emerged from being more than a shell of himself. Um, and Keevon Lee. After he got back. hurt, man. Yeah. Noah <clears throat> Kane hasn't been the same. Yeah, but but it's not like Kevon Lee was great either. But I, I'm, I'm reading this and what I wrote here at uh, DK Pittsburgh sports. Uh, I, I wrote as much as everyone wants to see. No, Nick Singleton. I have a lot of faith in Kevon Lee and believe he can be a good tailback. Now I'm also reading a, a message that somebody wrote. And this is funny. Jared, he said, I disagree on Lee. I think he's just a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I just got a kick out of that comment. I disagree on Lee. I think he's just a guy. So I, I go back to 2015, uh, there, were, or, yeah, what, there was no – yeah, I guess it was 2050. There was no uh, feeling from James Franklin going into that season that, a key, that he had any faith in Akeel Lynch. Akeel Lynch was a returning never. starter. Never. And you're thinking like, okay, well, Akil Lynch looked pretty good. I think he had 700 yards the year before. Why isn't James Franklin saying more positive things about Akeel Lynch? He never did. He never did it. Well, then we found out number twenty six was was there, and it took <laughs> Saquon Barkley existed yeah, until game and two. The rest and we, is we history. Kind of so I I I'm really curious to see what the, what the distri- distribution is going to be because I I do like Kevon Lee. They're clearly going to want to get Nick Singleton some some carries depending on how the offensive line goes. But I'll say this, buddy, Devin Ford. We, we've slept on Devin Ford, I think, for a while. Devin Ford was the number five running back recruit in the country when he came mm-hmm. to Penn State, a four-star guy. Uh, and he looked pretty good today er, during, on Saturday as well. So I like Kevon Lee. I think Devin Ford could be a guy that we shouldn't sleep on. Everybody always wants to see the prized recruit, and that's Nick Singleton. But, I, I, I mean, I, I, I think Kevon Lee will be the guy to go into the season, and I wouldn't be surprised if Devin Ford is the second guy. Corey, it's not very often that we agree on something. So I'm very
1: glad that uh, we finally agree on something. So we're going to take that right into the break. And then when we come back in the second segment, we're going to talk about a little bit more about that seven on seven and about Clifford, the quarterbacks and the wide receivers since, you know, seven on sevens primarily focus on them. Catch you right after the break on the DK Pittsburgh sports podcasting network. Welcome back to the second segment of the We Are podcast in the UK Business Sports Podcasting Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jeff Prugar. I did not suit up in the blue-white game. Corey did not suit up for the blue-white game. Now, a couple of years ago, if you remember, uh, this is back a long time ago, they did a punt, co- punt return contest with
0: media members. Corey, did you participate in that? I did not. I'm waiting for the baseball contest where they have who can field the most ground balls at shortstop among media members. I, I like my chances in that. I'm not getting out there, fielding a damn punt. I, I I'm, I'm a baseball guy at heart, Jared.
1: No, and I understand that. Now I, I used to play football. I've coached football for a couple of years here in Altoona. And, you know, I was trying to return a punt. I thought for sure I was going to snap at least one or both of my hamstrings because past Daniel Pascarello, the punter, um, nothing against him. He shanked it. I had a long way to run. I did not track it down. And I think, you know, I just got done being <laughs> sore here yesterday, and that happened a couple of years ago.
0: Thomas, um, you know who loved that? Thomas Frank Carr, who's that's now right. he, won. Blue, uh, he He I think he, I think that's still one of his greatest life achievements that he was able to catch a couple of those punts. Right. So now let's pivot to the skill positions, right? Because punt
1: returners are mainly receivers and some uh, some running backs. Seven on seven drills feature a lot of quarterback, wide receiver. Um, obviously that is essentially the seven on seven, right? You have your, your quarterback, your running back, potentially, uh, probably about four receivers and a tight end or five receivers and a tight end. However you want to do it. Um, as far as that goes, uh, depending on, on what you want to run, you said in the first segment, in the opening segment, Sean Clifford looked pretty good. Obviously seven on seven, there's no line They're down doing lineman drills and different things when seven on sevens are happening, but no line. He's upright. He's able to stay in the pocket. He's able to throw and do Sean Clifford things. That's always a good sign.
0: Yeah. There was, there was some football, there was some seven on seven and for as much as I, and maybe some other people might look at Sean Clifford's career and just kind of give a big ho hum about it. Uh, because he, he's just an average college quarterback, you know what you're going to get from Sean Clifford. He's been around for 17 years. Good, bad, and so, different. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, you know what he can do. And what Sean Clifford can do is manage a football game. There, yes. There's no question. He can manage a football game. And if you give him a running game like they had in 2019 with Journey Brown, the second half of that year especially – Oh my gosh, then, yeah. Then Penn State can win a lot of games. If Sean Clifford has to do everything himself, then Penn State's gonna lose a lot of games. That's that's the mm-hmm. reality of what Penn State is. But Sean Clifford is the talented guy. I, I do want to say that. For as much grief as I might you know give him sometimes, he is a talented guy. He's a much better runner than any of us ever thought. He know he can take off, he can make a play with it. It's it's just the inconsistency with the throws. But in a blue-white setting, it was clear that Sean Clifford is, is really far and away the, the leading quarterback on that team. You, you see the way he handles everything with poise. Christian Veyu did a nice job. Drew Aller did not. Uh, Drew Aller did not have a good day. Now, let's backtrack to what we said 15 minutes ago. This is a practice. It's one practice out of 15. You, you take it with a grain of salt. But when you're the number one quarterback recruit in the country, all eyes are on you. You want to see Superman go out there, you know. You, you want to see some kid go out there and just light it the heck up with a cannon arm and make it all. And, and, and Drew Aller didn't do that. He, he, he threw behind some receivers. He threw a couple of interceptions. He was just off it seemed pretty obvious to me there and give or take 60,000 people there, Jared. Now I think 10,000 of those were out, out tailgating still. Uh, But there, there were a lot of people there and that's the most, that's the most people, Jared, Jared, that Drew Allers ever played in front of. And he was nervous. He was nervous. There there was no question.
1: A lot of those people, a lot of those players haven't played in front of full crowds in nearly two or three years. So, and there's nothing at all. Like, I mean, number one, a blue white crowd, but like a Penn state crowd at Beaver stadium. So, you know, at last year, they had two, two scrimmages there mm-hmm. um, that we were open to see. And I thought that was great. I liked that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what Aller can do, but I think one of the things that we kind of look, you know, one of the talk during, leading up to the NFL draft is about Jahan Dotson, where he's going to fall, but at Penn state, it's who's going to replace Jahan Dotson because there is quite a good bit of quality receiver depth at, Uh, at Penn state. Uh, One of the guys who kind of first, uh, the first uh, drive from scrimmage um, Mitchell Tinsley, he's a Western Kentucky transfer. Um, He's, he, he opened it up with a touchdown. Um, You know, this is 1400 yards, 14 touchdowns at Western Kentucky last year. He, I think he's going to come in and make an impact immediately. I don't think he's going to put up John Dotson type numbers, but if you couple him with Keandre Lambert Smith, um, Parker Washington, in some of the and Malik
0: Mega, that's a really good set of receivers for the Atlanta Lions. You hope uh, I do think Parker Washington can and will be the number one guy, but Mitchell Tinsley caught 87 passes for 1,400 yards last year and 14 TDs. Now that's a good ever, backup option. Well, if you ever watched Western Kentucky, they were all it was awesome watching them. They aired it the hell out, man. They they threw it a ton. Their quarterback Bailey Zapp, who I followed when he was at Houston Baptist a couple of years ago, he threw for almost six thousand yards. I'm not ex- I'm not exaggerating six almost six thousand yards. Mm-hmm. So Mitchell, Mitchell Tinsley knows how to run routes, how to catch the ball. He's re- he's going to be ready for the ball. Now, do I know what kind of receiver he is compared to a Jahan Dodson, Jahan Dodson, Jared, did he ever drop a ball at Penn state? I mean, one, I, you know, I, I asked that somewhat facetiously, I'm sure he did, but I don't remember it. I mean, John Dodson was an unbelievably uh, skilled receiver and deceptively fast. You'd get him the ball in space and he'd just take off. So he is going to be tough to replace, but I, you know, but you're bringing in a guy that's caught a lot of balls in Mitchell Tinsley. I do think Parker Washington can be a 70 reception guy, um, so that at least gives – and we're, we're going to go along with the notion of Sean Clifford because it's, it's not going to be Drew Aller. Maybe we'll talk more about that in the third segment of, of exactly what their quarterback situation will look like. But I, I, I like the fact that they've got some – I think, I think Mega, Malik Mega, could be a guy that either this year or next year could, could, could really come into his own and emerge. Keandre Lambert-Smith uh, showed some good things last year. So there, there are weapons there, but is there a Chris Godwin in this group? Is there a Jahan Dotson in this group? I don't think we know that yet.
1: Right. I, my player to watch is Malik Mega. I think he's got the skills and the size to really, really put something together. But, again, I think this is a very deep unit. I think this is probably, you know, um, and I think this is a pretty talented team. Now, of course, on paper, it can be as talented as, it, as they want, but they got to back it up. they got to put it all together. And clearly, you know, there's a lot of time for that to happen. But at the same time, I'm very interested to see how these players develop. I think Tinsley ends up being a very good backup option at the one receiver, at number one receiver, if Parker Washington isn't able to do it. But I do think that this group is able, is going to be able to take the top off of defenses while also hitting some underneath stuff. And I think when you have that versatility, that's only going to make Sean Clifford's, um, you know, options a lot better.
0: But it depends on what kind of identity that Penn State offense is going to have. Exactly. And, what the,
1: and that's, that's huge because they need to figure out early and often how, what their identity is. Are they going to be a pass-first team or are they going to be a run-first team? And if they can run the football effectively, it's only going to open up those doors for the offense. And we're not even talking about the tight ends because I think the tight ends are talented too.
0: Well, the offensive line, it's 2022. Let's check up back again in 2027, and we'll be talking about the offensive line. And let's check check back in 2033, and we'll be talking about the offensive line. And hopefully we're still alive in 2071, because I think we're going to be talking about Penn State's offensive line. It just seems like it is the never-ending question of, will their offensive line be able to get the job done? And because we can talk about Sean Clifford, we can talk about Mitchell Tinsley and Parker Washington. If they can't run the ball, bye. Bye bye season. Yeah. See ya. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's it's that's it was their offense, their running game was terrible last year. And again, let's go back to 2019, as I said earlier. If you, if you can run the ball and Sean Clifford can be a, 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 a slightly above average quarterback, you can win a lot of games. If you can't run the ball, then they're going to suck. I mean, that's just the bottom line. If they can't run the ball, nothing else that we talk about is going to matter. And, and that gets me to keep kind of to the, the blue-white game. They don't have great offensive line depth. That's why they had to do this crazy format today where they couldn't play a whole lot of football because they didn't have enough offensive linemen. And then there were some other injuries as well. And so my, my, my immediate concern, my immediate red flag, Jared, is you going to have enough offensive linemen to produce during the season?
1: I mean, they, hopefully they need it because um, it, it all starts up front, and that's you know that's been the name of the game. That's been the weakness for Penn State for quite some time. Um, Welcome
0: to the We Are podcast in 2164. Penn State's biggest concern this year is the offensive line. <laughs> I mean,
1: yeah, I mean that's just, and that's, it's
0: always there.
1: That's the one thing I think that's always going to be the question mark. Um, and and I listen, got to see a lot more out of Phil Troutwine offensive head uh, offensive line coach you got there's got to be a lot more development up front but um we are going to come back here in the third and final segment talk about where penn state uh can go after this as they enter summer workouts as the semester ends and they lead up to the game against purdue to open the season in the 2020 in the fall of 2022 on the we are podcast and the pittsburgh sports podcasting network Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Are podcast. He's Corey. I'm Jared. We're here again for the third and final segment. Of course, you know that. But why you're really here listening to the third segment is who we think is going to be quarterback in the fall. Well, if you want a shocking answer, um, you might as well turn off the channel now. My vote is Sean Clifford. And it is Sean Clifford's job to lose barring serious injury and barring a summer of God knows what, that would allow him to not be the starting quarterback anymore.
0: Look, they open at Purdue, a Big Ten game on the road. Uh, Drew Aller was nervous for the blue-white game, and, and it showed. He was shaky. You, you're not going to have a true freshman going to start on the road at Purdue when you've got a four-year starting quarterback. It's just not going to happen. He, Clifford will be the guy. And for all the people out there that want to say Aller, 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 he'll be number one quarterback recruit, that is the benefit that Sean Clifford brings you. They go to Auburn in week three. You don't want Drew Aller starting at Auburn in week three. The, the, for, for all of the issues that we have with Sean Clifford, he ain't nervous. Right? He's, he's not going to be nervous. He's played in a ton of big games. Some of them he's played well, some of them he hasn't, but he <laughs> has played in games. You know what you're going to get. And by the way, both he and James Franklin said Sean Clifford has be, had his best spring of his career. So that Which is, is impressive because he's yeah. had about 75. Yeah. So the key then Jared is this, I think Christian Bay, is the backup. And then we can have an interesting discussion about the dynamic of the backup quarterback. When you have a tremendous recruit mm-hmm. in the transfer portal era, you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. Because you have to keep Drew Aller happy or else he bolts. And so, the good news here, and I talked about this a lot on my radio show last week. I think 2024 is the year for Penn State. I don't think they're going to be all that great in 2022. I think 2023 maybe is first year, Aller's first year as a starter growing. I think 2024 Penn State could make a college football playoff. I really do. With the recruiting, if things develop, then, then, then there, there is that nugget out there in a couple of years. But I think Christian Veyu, Jared, is the backup to start the season. Christian Veyu has been there. He's played in games. He's started a game. Who is the backup in the middle of the season, though, Jared? If they start three and three, and you're kind of giving up on the season, do you go to Drew Aller then? Do you have to go to Drew Aller then? Because if you don't, and Christian Veyu comes in and plays well the second half of the year, boom, Drew Aller could be gone. And you see, that's the dynamic that we've never encountered before in college football with this transfer portal.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's something you always have to be cognizant of because it's scary. But let's think about it. I mean, this, uh, same, the situation happened to Penn State last year. They had Sean Clifford number one. Then it was Taquan Roberson, who was number two. Veiu was number three. And then by the end of the year, it was Veyu number two, and now taekwon Roberson has, has gone. Has gone.
0: Yeah, but none of those were now, the number now, one of course, quarterback in the country. Yeah, right.
1: <clears throat> of course, that's a, a, a different situation. But at the same time, you know, you got to be ready to go. And and Veyu has that experience. He's one of the only ones that has that experience in the, in the room uh, to back Clifford up. Now, it's not a lot of experience by any means. But, yeah, I mean, as of right now, I think it does go Clifford, then Veyu. And then you got to see what Aller and Bo Perbula do. Uh, I think Perbula gives them an option at the red shirt. Um, I think Aller, you know, you got to figure out what you want to do with him. Do you're gonna do him as, as a backup? But I think at the same time, development and being behind Clifford is only going to help him because I think there does there is a value in watching the game for the sidelines, a first party, first part of the season, first half of the season, or even first season as a incoming as an incoming freshman because you see the game differently. You're, you're so used to it as a senior. You're getting there, and you're the big fish in a, in a small pond. Now, now you're a fish in a gigantic pond of farmland in Penn State. And, you know, I think it gives Aller a chance to sit back, take a step, learn, and see, hey, this is what I would do in this situation. Rather than going through and failing on the run uh, and learning on the run, you can take a step back, develop. And I think that's what guys like Aller and Bo Prabula need more than anything I'm not saying that christian value doesn't need that but i think you know he's been there he's established as a, as a veteran now um comparatively speaking to, to those in the room but you know i i like their chances of being there and just you know learning and developing jared,
0: jared would you stop living in the past and trying to bring 70 years of logic to college football today because everything you said is absolutely true and has been absolutely true until now everything you said doesn't matter in the age of the transfer portal do you see what i'm getting at yeah i'm oh, a yeah. huge i'm a huge believer in quarterbacks learning i'm a huge believer that an nfl quarterback should be able to sit for a year or two. Yes, 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 yes. That doesn't happen anymore. You, no. you, they give up on guys halfway or, through the road. Or Trevor years.
1: Lawrence. Oh,
0: my I'm, God. I'm a I'm a huge believer in, in Drew Aller coming in and sitting for a year. But that's not what a 19-year-old – that's not how they were born, how, how they were brought up in the game. And it's certainly not how things are going to be in the future – if you follow what I'm saying, with the NIL. Okay, so let's just look at this from the Penn State standpoint. This is a great discussion. Everything you said is right. Sean Clifford starts for the whole year. Drew Aller comes in and starts for next year. Everything's fine. That's the plan. That's my plan. 2023, he'll be a first-year starter. 2024, I think he can get Penn State to the college football playoff. Unless somebody comes and offers him a million dollars to come play for them. What if he's already making a million dollars at Penn State? He's not. I know that for a fact. I absolutely know that for a fact that he does not have a giant deal, nor does Nick Singleton. Um, so the, and and that, that's not fully been made, but I can guarantee you they don't have that giant deal. And that's my point. Because everything you said, which made perfect sense for the last 70 years of college football, is not relevant today. What's relevant today is if, if they're three and three, And James Franklin decides to go to uh, Christian Veyu in game seven, which I think is against Minnesota. You, I don't look, I don't know Drew Aller for for anybody, but you run the risk of pissing that kid off and having Mm -hmm. him leave. And now you're running the risk of what I just said. Could you get to the college world playoff in 2024 with the number one quarterback recruit, a guy who might be a first, second round NFL draft pick in a few years? You have to basically kiss ass. You have to do everything that you can to make sure you appease those guys. Nobody gave a damn that they take one Roberson left. And I like Christian Bayou, but, you know, he's not Drew Aller. He doesn't have Drew Aller's upside or ceiling. So th- that's the point, Jared, is that everything you said makes perfect sense, but none of it is, none of it is the reality for college football longer.
1: Right, and I think we're seeing that in college basketball, especially with the coaches that have been leaving over the course of the last few years. Jay Wright, I, I stepped down at Villanova.
0: That's right. Time of
1: dealing with this stuff. Right, Mike Krzyzewski, he's out. Roy Williams, he's out too. We're seeing a lot of guys, the elder statesmen in the coaching world. Listen, NIL is not something that these guys are used to, nor is it something that they really want to worry about. But at the end of the day, you have to because you have teams like Texas A&M Writing blank checks to linemen for God knows what kind of money, and they're hauling in five star after five star after five star. And hey, you know what? Kudos to them for being able to have those resources. At Penn State, it's much different. Um, but at the same time, they're starting to put those uh, those things in place to make sure that that isn't a factor. That these guys are getting some money. But again, how long until these coaches get fed up with it? Because this. The, the lack of regulation is truly what's going to hinder this sports development. It is. There's
0: no the question. And, and the NCAA and, doesn't care. They don't. They, nor, do they, nor do they have the manpower to police it, but the pressure it puts on coaches, because again, I think right now, as we're recording this, Christian Veiu is the backup quarterback at some point, James Franklin is going to have to make Drew Aller the backup quarterback, mm-hmm. or else he risks losing Drew Aller. It's funny, Neil Riddell from the Altuna Mirror, he tweeted out uh, before the blue Eye game, you know who Mel Kuyper has rated higher as an NFL grade for a draft quarterback? Will Levis is rated higher <laughs> than Sean Clifford. <laughs> oh, poetic justice. So We once watched go? him run 17 times exactly. in a game. Exactly. All they thought, that's the point. And it's not like Will Levis was Drew Aller either. All they no. thought of Drew Will Levis was that he was a, run, he was a running back. That's all they thought of him. That's all and they so used now, him for. It, and yeah. So now we've got Sean Clifford for a 17th year. And would you be completely stunned if Will Levis makes it to the NFL as a quarterback? Not, not necessarily. I mean, he, he can do, he something. has the arm. He definitely has. The so, arm. right. So that's, that's the danger that these coaches face and there's so, when you cannot be James Franklin and have, the number one quarterback in the country, leave your program. You see what I'm saying, Jared? You benefit greatly by getting him to your program. If he leaves your program for any reason under the sun, there are questions. What
1: did you do wrong? Yeah. And that, and that could severely hinder the program for years
0: to come. Yeah. Yeah. But, and that's, it's, it's fascinating because. Yeah. These coaches, their hands are going to be tied because, again, if even if they is better and if they're struggling and Clifford's struggling or Clifford gets hurt, if James Franklin does not turn to Drew Aller, again, I don't know this kid's mentality. Maybe he'll stay for Penn State forever and it's never a question. But if Texas A&M, as you mentioned, or somebody else comes along and says, hey, they weren't even playing you over a three-star kid, from Canada, mm-hmm. we'll give you a million. Come on,
1: yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be a rat race, and I and I don't think it's necessarily great for the game of college football. I know we've talked about that at length, and we'll continue to talk about it because this is the plague; it's never going away. But between the portal and between NIL, coaches' hands are tied. There's only so much you can do, so much you can promise teams. But I think that's it has to be a part of the of the of the recruitment pitch at Penn State. Come in, compete and see what happens um yeah and if it's not then you know then you get into a situation where they act, I thought they I thought they grossly misused Will Levis um but they've done that quite some time I mean they did that with Tommy Stevens too um and, and they had Trace McSorley Trace McSorley is one of the all-time greats at Penn State because of his um his leadership and his ability and what he was able to accomplish as quarterback of that team and Tommy Stevens probably could have had a lot of success and then he left and went to Mississippi state and is now as a tight end uh, and has bounced around the NFL for a little bit. Um, You know, will have who knows what they can do, but they know that he can run the ball. I I've seen it
0: in the flesh. Yeah. I'll, I I just want to close this as we wrap up here and say, I, I do see a a real good light at the end of the tunnel. If things work out again, I've got, Mm -hmm. I've got them going seven and five this year bridge year Next year, Aller takes over. First-year starter, he'll have some growing pains. He'll look great, then maybe he won't. But you got to go to Ohio State next year, so that's going to be a trouble. 2024 is the year, folks. 2024, Drew Aller would be a second-year starting quarterback, maybe two and a half years. Nick Singleton would be a junior. You'd think the offensive line might have a shot, but who the hell knows. 2024, Ohio State comes to Penn State. That's the year that I've got circled on the calendar. And then next week, Jared, how about we talk about this? Cause I brought this up to a couple of folks on my radio show. If James Franklin had not gotten a 10 year contract extension because see right now, he can play this out for 2024. Mm-hmm. If he had not gotten a 10 year contract extension and there was a sense of urgency and if he didn't get it figured, would Sean Clifford be the quarterback this year? Would things have been done differently? I think that's going to be our podcast next week, folks. Cause that's my question is, he, he has a 10-year contract. He's going nowhere. He can be patient. Mm-hmm. He's asking you Penn State fans to be patient despite two bad years because he's, not, he's got 10 years and $85 million waiting for him. If he had not gotten that contract, how different would some of these off-season decisions might have been?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. But until next week, Corey, that's all we've got. Blue-white is over. It's now time for the summer workouts. The sun was out. Let's hope for more sun, no more rain, no more snow. It's almost summer. Fall is on the horizon. We don't want to rush fall to get here. I want some summertime. I want some heat. I want some humidity. I don't want the rain anymore. Um, It's hindered my spirits. It's hindered my schedule. We don't need that. But spring football has officially come to a close. So, too, has this podcast. We will catch you again next week. For Corey Geiger, this has been Jared Pruger on the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network.